evidence and answers. Genetic engineering. What does the Bible say about it? What about cloning? Are there moral issues that we should be concerned with? This topic is so controversial. As a Christian, how do I approach it? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today on Evidence and Answers, Pat will be discussing the topic of cloning with his guest, Ray Bolin, as he continues with his series on ethical issues. Let's turn to God's Word as the final authority. Without delay, here's Pat now. Ray has a PhD in molecular biology, has written and spoken on the topic of medical ethics, especially the area of genetic engineering we talked about last week, and this whole issue of cloning. So, Ray, welcome to the show once again. Glad to be back, Pat. Well, Ray, there's been a lot of progress in cloning of animals since mm-hmm. Dolly, the sheep. Well, that happened, what, that was announced eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Since then, uh, how have we been doing on this whole area of cloning? Well, that's amazing, Pat, in, in that uh, Dolly was announced, uh, was born actually in 1996, was not announced till 97, and uh, I remember myself being up in uh, the Pennsylvania area speaking on a college campus and was just absolutely dumbfounded that we actually had cloned a mammal, and this was a, a legitimate announcement. Uh, I had uh, said myself in print that a human, let alone a mammal, would ever be cloned. It could not be done. I'm a little bit more careful these days about such things in science. And and uh, beyond sheep now, we have cloned cattle, we have cloned pigs, we've cloned uh, goats, um, cats, um, mice. And, you know, things are still kind of hit or miss. Uh, the odds have, have improved to some degree. Dolly was a one in almost 300 uh, shot experiment and so since there was only one success out of 300 you could have said well maybe the odds really are one in a thousand and we just got lucky they couldn't really tell uh, with cattle I think they do as well with cattle and mice as anything and even there the odds are only about one out of 50 tries or so one out of about 20 or 30 tries uh, at, at best uh, depending upon who's doing the work um, and so it's still a, a very imprecise process um, but again, we've expanded our horizons. We've done a few more animals. We're getting a little bit better at it all the time. Uh, but there are still lots of mysteries surrounding it. We really don't know exactly how this process works um, and what goes wrong when something goes wrong. Uh, we see the problems. We see deformed fetuses developing. Some never get born. Some that are born that seem normal at first develop certain kinds of diseases or seem weak and fragile. Uh, every clone seems to be born larger than normal. Many of them have to be delivered by cesarean section because they're too big to fit through the birth canal. We don't know what does that. And so, yeah, we've done it some more. We've had more success with other species. There's a group down at Texas A&M associated with them, a private company um, called, I think, Genetic Savings and Clone is what they call themselves. And, and you can deposit cells from your pets uh, from your your cats and dogs and and such and and when they develop and per, and perfect the process, then they will uh, clone your pet for you. For right now, the cost would probably be about two hundred thousand dollars. Wow! But they've only cloned one cat so far, and she didn't come out quite as a, exactly as an exact duplicate as they had hoped. Cats have some peculiarities to them, so we're not sure how this well will, this will be used commercially. <laughs> Well, when we're talking about cloning, what exactly are we doing? I mean, we're doing more than just creating a twin, aren't we? Well, 
Well, yeah, it's 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 interesting because what we've done, um, if I were to clone myself, if that's what we were wanting to do, what I would have to do is I would take, say, a skin cell of, of from my own skin. I would remove the nucleus that has all the genetic material in it, all the chromosomes, and I would take that nucleus and implant it into an egg cell, a human egg cell, uh, that had its nucleus removed. And then so the new genetic material is from me, and the egg cell is from somebody else, obviously. And, and then we just we usually either chemically induce it or we hit it with a small electrical shock, which tells the egg cell, oh, you've been fertilized by a sperm, even though you really haven't. And it will start to divide as a normal embryo would. And for the most part, uh, with human beings, that doesn't work terribly well so far. Now, there's some groups out there like the Raelian cult. Yeah. They have actually claimed to have cloned humans. Now, is there any legitimacy to this claim here? Well, the, the, uh, the clone aid group, which is what they call themselves, and it really is just a private company that is influenced and run by people who are from the Raelian's cult. The Raelian's are a group of uh, folks who uh, follow this fellow named Rail who came from France, and, and he... Uh, uh, claims to have been visited by aliens about 15, 20 years ago, and they gave him certain information, and he's trying to develop uh, Earth and get it ready for their return or some some such thing. And uh, part of their goals are to develop the cloning process uh, to the point where not only would we clone at a baby stage, but we would eventually learn how to clone the adult body from one as you wouldn't have to go through the growth stages. You just clone an adult body, and then eventually you can transfer the thoughts and memories from the original to the new body, and therefore you gain immortality. That's what the Raelians are all about. And so that's why they are working on, on cloning of, of humans. And, yeah, back in, uh, I think it was just in at Christmas of about 2002, just after that, so it's a little over a year, about a year and a half ago, uh, they announced that a clone human had been born. They didn't tell where. Uh, and they said, we have four more that are, are in, in process and will be born over the next several months. I think they made one more announcement. There was a big deal of controversy over this. Most of the medical community doubted that they had achieved this. And they were clamoring for, you know, genetic proof and biochemical proof and give us some cells. We need to make some comparisons here. And they promised to do all of that. Uh, but as time wore on... Uh, the family they said was being threatened and there were lawsuits being done and laws passed and so forth. And, and because of uh, the safety of the family of the child, they denied all this access and nobody's ever gotten any proof for any of these potential supposed clones that they actually exist. And we haven't heard much from the Raelians for about a year on this. So whether they were legitimate or not, we don't know. Um, there's just no evidence to say one way or the other. Most people doubt it. I doubt it. I don't think this has really occurred. I think uh, this is a big publicity stunt, and uh, the Raelian's website uh, gained huge numbers of hits after this announcement was made. So they got what they wanted out of it, I think. <laughs> now, there are other countries that have less restrictive laws mm -hmm. on cloning humans than we do here in the U.S. Is there any... Uh, validity to some of the things we're hearing in the press that maybe there's another country out there that's coming close to cloning an actual human being? Yeah, there's uh, two other researchers, uh, Severino Antonori, who's an Italian uh, fertility specialist, 
Uh, he won't tell you where he's doing his experiments, but he's been very clear, very upfront in the media of saying, I am trying to clone a human being. I have several clients uh, wishing to do so. I have the money to do it, but he won't tell you where. <clears throat> and he has announced previously on a number of occasions that I have a pregnancy in process. Um, he wouldn't tell you at what stage, how far along, but then you never hear anything and you just assume, okay, this, this clone didn't make it. Another one is uh, Pavos Zavos, uh, actually at Vanderbilt, and he's got a lab somewhere else in the world where he claims to be cloning humans. He even made an announcement uh, several months ago saying, I've had success, we've implanted a cloned embryo, and we're waiting to see if it took. Well, he never made another announcement, so, so we're assuming that wasn't successful either. Uh, so there are a couple of other fairly legitimate uh, fertility specialists who are working on the process of trying to clone humans. Now, they seem to be having a great deal of difficulty, and, and uh, there could be some uh, aspects of human egg biology that is keeping, keeping this at bay. But I think those are all uh, difficulties and barriers that will probably be overcome by research. There was a group in Korea that has cloned several uh, human embryos, and then they harvested the stem cells, and they got one stem cell line from a human clone uh, that seems to be a legitimate stem cell line. Um, but again, their, their procedure, was they, they experimented with different ways of getting the process accomplished, and they seemed to hit on one that was successful about, I think it was about 50% of the time. I say Now, many are against what they call reproductive cloning, but they favor what's called therapeutic cloning. And what's the difference here? Yeah, well, reproductive cloning is, is your desire, your endpoint is what you're wanting to do is, is clone a human being to get a baby. You want to create a new life. If I wanted to clone myself, I would be creating essentially an identical twin of me, but it would be coming into existence about 50 years after I did. It's kind of a strange situation here. My identical twin is 50 years younger than I am. Um, but you're trying to produce a life. With therapeutic cloning, you're, you're really just making a cloned embryo for research purposes, and you have no intent of allowing this individual to uh, be implanted, to grow in the womb, and be born as a baby. Uh, all you want are the early, what they call, embryonic stem cells. When an embryo develops to about five to seven days, it's got a ring of cells uh, that eventually form the placenta, and then in the middle is a small group of cells, maybe just a dozen or so, that it's called the inner cell mass, and those are the embryonic stem cells. And researchers hold those almost like a holy grail because those cells can become any tissue in the body. And so the potential is there for those cells to be used for treatment of degenerative diseases like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's disease or um, injuries such as spinal cord injuries to try to regenerate the tissues that are falling apart or have been killed due to injury. Um, and so with therapeutic cloning, um, you go through the exact same process to make a clone, but its endpoint, its purpose is very different. You're not trying to create a life because when you puncture that blastocyst, that embryo, to get the embryonic stem cells out, you've killed it. And that's not, it's not going to live again. Yeah, I want to encourage everyone to go to the Probe website at probe.org. You'll find close to a thousand articles there and there are featured uh, Ray's articles here on this whole issue of medical ethics on genetic engineering and cloning and others as well, abortion, euthanasia. Well, what is the biblical Christian perspective when we come to this whole 
area of medical ethics, including genetic engineering and cloning. So I would highly encourage uh, you to go to that website. Also, Ray, we talked earlier about the difference between reproductive cloning and therapeutic cloning. Now, New Jersey has passed a law allowing therapeutic cloning mm-hmm. for the purpose of stem cell research. Uh, many say that this is a dangerous precedent. Now, yeah. what's wrong with this bill? Well, what led to this uh New Jersey bill in the first place is that our own Congress is unable to get any law passed regarding cloning. Uh, The House of Representatives in two different sessions now has passed a bill uh, outlawing all forms of human cloning, both therapeutic and reproductive cloning. But the Senate has been unable to pass any kind of similar bill because there are those in the Senate uh, who are very strong and very forceful in trying to to pass a bill that yeah we'll we'll, we'll outlaw reproductive cloning because that's too dangerous right now too many injuries too many spontaneous abortions don't want to do that and don't want to go there but we do want to allow for therapeutic cloning so they're not happy with the House of Representatives bill but there still is this threat that Congress may pass a bill that the president has said he will sign that will outlaw all forms of human cloning. Now, New Jersey has taken the step, and they they want to be able to attract biotechnology businesses. Uh, The ability to use therapeutic cloning is is really attractive to private companies, and right now they can do it with private money because there is no law available, and what New Jersey is trying to do is is attract business. They're trying to attract biotechnology companies by saying, well, okay, the government hasn't said anything yet, the U.S. government, but here... You can do this kind of research, and we will allow it, and there won't be any penalties to you. Now, and there are millions of dollars involved in there this. There certainly are. There certainly are. And what's different about, about New Jersey is the way they have defined what reproductive cloning is. Reproductive cloning is only – and the end result is a baby, a, a baby that is born. And therapeutic cloning is anything that is stopped up until that point. So what that means is that in New Jersey, you can, you can create a clone, you can allow it to grow in vitro, then you can implant it into a womb, and as long as you just don't let it be born, you're okay. If you allow it to be born, there's a $600,000 fine. So, so think about the incongruity of this, that you would be fined by the state government for allowing a baby to be born. So you're, you are putting in place a penalty which requires individuals to end a life in the womb. So far, abortion has in this country has been an elective procedure. Now the state of New Jersey is on record as saying, we're going to force you to have an abortion if this baby is a clone. Well, there's a lot of uh, inconsistency there, but that's what we see when you don't have a clear guideline as to how you make your um, ethical decisions. You know, Ray, uh, we're talking about cloning, and it comes about as a, you know, different, uh, life is produced in a different way, but does the clone have a soul? Yeah, that's a, that's a very curious and very fascinating question. Um, a lot of people ask that from a Christian perspective because life has already always been created by the uniting of sperm and egg, and even with in vitro fertilization outside the womb, I mean, that's what we do. We take sperm, we take egg, we, f- we put them together, and it gets fertilized, and it, it comes about in the normal, natural way, even if it's outside the womb. 
But with a clone, there is no sperm. There is an egg, but there's no union of sperm and egg, and it's created in a very different way. And it's very tempting to think, well, would this be a true human being at all? Would they really be bearing the image of God, or would they just be some sort of uh, homo sapiens animal and not really be made in God's image? Well, where I go for to try to understand that is looking at the process of normal twinning in the womb. When, when identical twins form in the womb, you always start with a single egg and a single sperm. They, the egg is fertilized by one sperm, and it begins to grow. And somewhere in the early stages, in the first 14, 15 days before implantation, it splits apart into two. Now, all of us would say initially there was one person, one soul. And somehow, without another sperm and egg coming into the picture, there's a second person, a second soul. If you've known identical twins, well, they're, they're both real people. <laughs> it's kind of hard to say which one has a soul, which one doesn't. We wouldn't want to go there. Um, so my suspicion has always been that if human cloning is successful, they will be an individual who is made in the image and likeness of God. But... Because the other thing about that is if, if it's, our, our soulishness is so involved in our humanity that I just don't think you could do it any other way, uh, that it would even be possible. But it still leads to an interesting question. There is still that hypothetical that a human clone would not have a soul. And what I like to ask uh, audiences, and just especially I do this, like to do this at the end of my talk and let them go off and, and to the break time or to lunch or whatever and sit around and talk about this, I like to ask them, I say, well, if the human clone did not have a soul, how would you know? How would you tell? What would you look for? What would be different? Uh, what I'm asking people to think about is what is the real distinction between a human being and an animal? What separates us? Uh, how would you observe that? What would you expect to see? So it's kind of a, a little bit, a bit of an exercise, you know, just to get you to think about the distinction between man and animal. And, you know, people will start to say, well, well, they probably wouldn't care about right or wrong. And they, they would just, you know, they wouldn't have any sense of morality. And I said, well, wait a minute. Um, you go into any chimpanzee group or gorilla group or group of baboons and they have rules. You break the rules, you get tossed out, you get you get punished. Um, I think a clone could easily learn with the brain that they have how to get along and what gets them in trouble and what doesn't. Um, so I, I don't think the issue of morality necessarily is going to help us distinguish it. What for me, what eventually comes down to is I end up saying, well, you know, it might even be possible with their brain and their intellect that they could look at the evidence for the existence of God and the deity of Christ, and they might even be able to say, well, there is a God and and Jesus was him, but they really wouldn't care. It just wouldn't matter. There is no opportunity for a relationship with God. There's no potential for that. And that's really what separates us from the animals. Well, that's an interesting question. I think that one thing, first thing that occurred to me was if we were to observe people, uh, maybe criminals, certain criminals, I think, who have so suppressed the soulish aspects of mm -hmm. themselves that that becomes manifest. Mm -hmm. And perhaps... Uh, despite any kind of socialization or, or rearing or anything else, if those things, those kind of things that we see in people who suppress the soulish aspects of themselves were manifest in this person, that might be a good evidence that they were yeah. soulish, mm -hmm. uh, soulless persons, mm -hmm. didn't, didn't have the soul. But uh, that's, that's a good question. 
Yeah, it's a it's one one to really spend some time just chewing over, and I think it's it's helpful for us as Christians to ponder those kinds of things, because then having a clearer idea of of what that would look like helps us to understand that we are very unique. We are terribly different. There is more to us than just a biological body, and within many in the Again, I just say many in the medical research community, that's all we are. We're just another biological organism, and, and there's almost a blindness to this reality that, no, there's something far more to who and what we are as humans. Yeah, that's part of the biblical and Christian worldview, that we're created in the image of God. Not only is there a physical body, but there's an immaterial essence there, the body called soul, spirit, and mind. So, Ray, even if we could clone another you or another me, it wouldn't be exactly the same person, would it? No, and and most most people who are in this field would would clearly say, okay, yeah, if if I were to clone myself, it wouldn't be exactly like me. Okay, they're being born in a different time and period. Uh, identical twins are different. Uh, they seem to have slightly different personalities. Yeah, they dress the same as as kids, but as they get older, they kind of lose that. But again, when you when we bring twins together who were raised apart, identical twins who were raised apart, there are some very eerie similarities. They tend to have married the same kind of woman, even with the same name. They have the same kinds of careers. They laugh the same way. They laugh at the same kind of jokes. They have the same kinds of hobbies. Now, again, there are clear differences. They're not exactly the same person, but the similarities are are almost frightening, almost kind of creepy <laughs> uh, when you actually bring them together. And so what how similar a clone of me would be is really hard to say. We just don't really know how similar, how different. But I think the temptation for a parent that will be there is to say, you know, I know what happened to me when I was growing up, what was good for me, what was not. And the temptation is going to be, I'm going to make a better version of me. And how is a parent really going to escape that? That's my identical twin brother. It's not my son. Um, if I had a little girl that was cloned from my wife, I'd look at her and I'd say, well, you know, that's, that's not my daughter. That's my wife's twin sister. And I, and I, I kind of really creep audiences out when I ask them, can those two kids grow up and marry each other? Yeah, sure they can. There's no genetic reason not. They're just as different genetically as my wife and I are. And I ask them, well, look, let's go a little further. Let's say that my wife uh, meets uh, an accidental tragic death, and when these kids are, are, you know, 18, 19, 20, early 20s, and I look at that young lady and I say, you know, she looks just like my wife did when we got married. Interesting. And I asked them, I said, you know, we, I could marry that young lady, and there'd be no, no legal reason not to. Oh. Well, Ray, uh, you know, as we wind down the show, do you think human cloning will actually happen? Even in our lifetime? I think probably five to ten years we will have an actual human five clone. Five to ten years? Yeah. Wow, that's quick. Mm-hmm. Why I do you think that? I don't have any doubt. Well, I think it's just a matter of overcoming the, the uh, technological barriers, which I think we will do eventually. So people are going to do it uh, with or without uh, the government's approval or consent of the people's... One of these guys have said, if, if I can't find a place on land, a country to let me do it, I'll buy a hospital ship and I'll do it in international waters. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. This concludes Pat's interview with Ray Bolin as they discuss the ethics involved with cloning. If you find this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. Log on to our website at evidenceandanswers.org. We have a wide variety of resources available to you. 
For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, click on the donate button on the lower right-hand side of our homepage. Join us again next time on the air or online for more evidence and answers. <laughs>